and welcome. You're listening to Canberra's People Powered Radio, 2XXFM 98.3. The program is subject to ACT with me, Sophie Singh, bringing you stories of community and current affairs from our local city and beyond. Stories with a global dimension. Our story tonight continues with the theme of environmental activism. Our guests were part of a group of people who, in September 2018, scaled a fence onto the Newcastle port and occupied a large piece of mining equipment. Anna Molan and Elle Lawless join us to share their experiences of this action and what followed. Anna and Elle, thank you so much for coming on to Subject to ACT. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you for having us, Sophie. And to take us back to September 15th, almost three years ago now, what happened on that day? What was the action that you and Elle and others took part in? The action consisted of occupying a coal loader on the Newcastle port, which is the biggest coal port in the world, in order to stop the loading of coal for export for as long as we could make it work. And uh, quite a few people, I think there were 40 people, went onto the site, climbed this extraordinarily big stacker and uh, the process was shut down for that morning and we hung banners and made a statement by being there that Australia needs to withdraw from the export of fossil fuels in order to uh, help save us from the worst effects of climate change. It was a big action. It took a bit of daring, but we all felt very safe. So, El, what are your recollections of that day? I mean, how did you physically climb the fence? And describe, because I haven't got an image in my mind beyond something large, what a coal loader actually looks like. It was a very well-organised action, so we had spent a number of days planning it. I think it's important to note that often yeah, acts of civil disobedience are very well thought out so that they are safe and they are effective. We actually climbed through the fence... But I won't go into too many details there, but that was a very simple process. And then about 40 of us climbed through the coal port towards the stacker reclaimer. So that's actually a very uh, large crane-like object. It's huge, probably a few stories high. And then it has a big arm that stretches out over the piles of coal so that it can pick them up and load them onto the ships. The coal piles were huge, so glistening, shiny, big lot of coal right there in front of us. We got very covered in the coal dust. Um, But yes, it's it's quite a sight to see the world's biggest coal port up close like that. Must be Mm. quite uh, confronting in its enormity. Was the stack reclaimer, the coal loader, actually in operation when you climbed onto it? It was in operation when we when we arrived and then we, we were very safe about our operations so we walked along the paths that are designed for workers to walk along and climb up it and then it was swiftly um, shut down, turned off. Someone working at the port would have uh, switched the safety um, button. Right. So we managed to shut it down, which was excellent. Did you physically lock on to the machinery? Uh, I didn't lock on. There was a choice of level of activity, you know, a level of of involvement. And uh, I stood my ground, so to speak, on the reclaimer uh, and um, other people locked on. So, you know, it's it's a question of what you feel you can do. And that was... what do you feel comfortable with? Yeah, that was fine for me and we were strong. And we were also supporting people 
uh, giving them drinks, giving them sunburn cream, etc. if they were locking on. It was a very communal feeling. Uh, it was a sense of shared enterprise that we're taking action to try to save our world, to try to save our world, and that's worth doing radical things to do. Elle, did you lock on? Uh, not on this occasion, but I've been um, arrested a number of times previously and have locked on in the past. I felt that my role on this occasion was to support um, younger people to um, make them feel safe and comfortable and, yeah, make sure they had sunscreen, water, and they were feeling comfortable. How long did the action take place? What was the duration? It's a, a little hard for me to estimate now. I think we were on the site for maybe three hours perhaps. And then, of course, there's a lot of processing afterwards with police. So how did it end? Were you forcibly removed or there was a decision in the planning that at a certain point, that's when you'd come down? Well, it was a um, civil disobedience actions. It was geared for non-violence, absolutely. And what happened eventually was that a police officer came and tapped us on the shoulder and uh, instructed us to go with them. And we did. So we made our point. We were not willingly going to relinquish our protest. But when we were tapped on the shoulder and told we were under arrest, we went. At the end of the day, when the police asked you to leave and you were arrested, were you bailed immediately or were you in the watch house? What happened after that? Um, We were bailed immediately on this occasion. Uh, Our details were taken down. We handed over our driver's licence and then we were given a letter saying that we were asked to appear in court on this date. Anna and I have been to the Watch House in Queensland together previously, which was a very bonding experience as well. We were in there for eight hours together on one occasion. It sounds like the experience wasn't really a frightening experience. It was one more of camaraderie and elation. Would that be accurate? Uh, Maybe not elation, I don't think, because we were. I was very aware of the urgency of action and that we were driven to take radical action by the failure of government to do what they should do. There was a great sense of solidarity, that's for sure. I feel that the group of people with whom I've taken uh, radical action in the past and on that occasion are very close to me. We've been through stuff together and I know that we support each other. So, no, I wouldn't say elation, but a great sense of solidarity and of common purpose. Did you want to add, Ellen, in terms of how you emotionally feel about your involvement in in that action? I think it's important to note that I'm a a privileged white woman, so I have a very different uh, relationship with authority and, and with police. So I am in a position where I am safer, I'm going to be treated differently and it it means I feel like I have a duty to be on the front lines then. But yeah, nonviolent direct action has a very long, very proud history. It's a really important way of participating in our democracy. Um, So I feel on these occasions when you're, you're with a group of people who feel the same way as you, it is a real sense of solidarity and like you're together making a change in the world. Explain to me what is the strategy. So you disrupt the port for that day and similar disruptions of short duration happen um, around Australia on a frequent basis. How do they come together to progress achieving climate action and forcing government? What changes do you see have been made because of the non-violent civil disobedience activities that you've been engaged in that others around the country and globally are engaged in? Well, I'll begin an answer. Uh 
the key thing is that, as I see it, that uh, the extraction of fossil fuels loses its social license and that becomes very evident. It's the accumulation of actions by ordinary people who have a stake in society and in the future, ordinary people who can show the world that governments can't just run roughshod over the values of their own people. So action after action after action pushes that power of of government to deny the rights of the people, pushes it back. And the social license of fossil fuel companies has plummeted. I mean, we see corporation after corporation, government after government, recognising that they cannot continue their polluting activities in the face of public protest because people like us are ordinary law-abiding people. We are not easily... Um, tarred with rat bag, you know, labels. That's how it works. That's how it's worked in the past. I agree with Anna in terms of rolling civil disobedience actions, eroding the social licence of the fossil fuel industry in this case. And we've seen it throughout history for hundreds of years that people standing up for what they believe in, taking radical action, getting out on the streets has brought us a lot of changes that we now take for granted today, whether that be the right for women to vote, the ending of apartheid, the ending of segregation in the United States, Um, just to name a few, that's all because ordinary people have stood up to those injustices through taking civil disobedience actions. So I think us doing the same here, while it might be taking a long time because of the um, corruption within our our politics with the fossil fuel industry being, you know, well oiled on, that we will gradually erode that social license and it's because we, we need to stand up bear witness to the injustices and hold the moral high ground. So a lot of actions aren't civilly disobedient. Uh, So do you see non-violent civil disobedience part of a spectrum of activities? Um, It's always non-violent in the sense that we don't cause harm to others or to property. People's views on what is violence um, varies greatly. It is a spectrum there. Street marches, rallies and so on wouldn't really be regarded as non-violent civil disobedience. That would fall into really a separate category of actions? Well, I think it's all part of a single thrust to change the way we live and the way we are governed. Uh, Most of our actions in this space are perfectly within the law and without that more mass action, mass demonstration and and bearing witness, then the the direct action wouldn't have a context or wouldn't have a a broad agreement from society. So uh, I take part in a lot of actions that are um, of the kind of witnessing actions where we're gathering, we're using our voices, we're using our presence to protest and to bear witness. Yeah. So there's an organic relationship really between all the different uh, aspects of action. Yes, definitely. And different levels for people to be involved on as well. You don't need to be um, putting yourself in an arrestable position to have an impact. If you've just tuned in, welcome. You're listening to Subject ACT on your people-powered radio, 2XXFM 98.3, with me, Sophie Singh. Tonight, I'm in conversation with Elle Lawless and Anna Molan. Elle and Anna were involved in a non-violent direct action at the Newcastle Coalport in 2018 when, along with a group of people, they occupied a large coal stacker, stopping operations for a number of hours. 
Anna and Elle were charged as a result of that action and spent the following two years fighting that charge. So can you tell me, what were you charged with? Uh, We were charged with um, two offences. One was trespass, and uh, that's not surprising. The other, which really surprised us, was interfering with equipment associated with a mine. And we believed that charge should never have been laid. We saw it as... um, as an overreach by New South Wales police and behind them New South Wales government. We actually saw it as a form of quelling dissent and quelling protest. So we took a not guilty plea for that equipment associated with the mine. This was a port. It wasn't a mine. It was a port. Uh, And uh, we had great representation, legal representation from someone in the movement. And we were very fortunate that we had such great advocacy and we defeated that charge. It um, it was a great moment in February this year to have that charge dismissed because uh, it means that police can't just say what they like. They can't just call a port a mine. They can't just define the terms according to the events of the day. And if we're to live in uh, a society that's protected by law, then we need to know what the laws mean. So for us, it was a big victory to have that charge thrown out. And what consequences does that charge potentially carry? So that charge um, had the possibility of up to seven years in prison, which is extreme for peaceful action. Um, In 2017, I believe, there was a series of new protest laws introduced uh, specifically to quell coal protesters. By the New South Wales government? Yeah, by the New South Wales government. And um, this was one such law. So I'm very proud of us that we um, managed to defeat it um, in this case because we were at a port, not a mine, and it was specifically introduced to stop coal protesters. So it sets a precedent in terms of Newcastle locals, people of the Hunter region, being able to protest against um, coal operations and go back to the port um, without the threat of that um, over their heads. And do you know whether any uh, activists who have carried out actions at coal mines have been successfully prosecuted under that offence? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are cases pending. Do you know, Elle, of any people charged under that one? Not that I'm aware of. Mm. I know people have been charged under those new New South Wales protest laws. No one has been convicted and actually sent to prison, but it's just outrageous Mm. to think that people could be more than two and a half years the court cases were continuing and those charges were hanging over your heads how did you feel in February when you walked out of uh, the Newcastle courtroom and uh, knowing that that ordeal um, had come to an end L. I felt incredibly proud um, have no regrets about the actions that I've taken I was also incredibly grateful to our legal support um, they were wonderful and so generous in terms of yeah offering their skills and expertise to us I was also really proud to have Anna with me. We're very close friends and I've been through a lot of situations like this with her and her support um, and guidance means a great deal to me. She feel quite quite emotional thinking about that. <laughs> and was there a sense of relief, Anna? Uh, yes, thank you, Elle. That's very lovely and I feel that sense of closeness too. You need a buddy, I must say. Um, well, it's better if you have a buddy. Uh, I was very relieved. It's it's not easy having a um, serious charge hanging over you, 
Uh, it's not easy at all. And, and for two years, for two that's years, a long time. Yep, and we had to appear at court several times during that time. So to have it resolved uh, and resolved so well and to hear the arguments and to know that this was, this was a good cause to have taken on was great. There was a lot of satisfaction and it was a great relief that it had gone well and that we um, were now finished with that one. Were all 40 people charged with the same offence of interfering with equipment associated with the mine? I'm not absolutely sure. I don't think all were. What do you think, Elle? We were, um, because there were different levels of involvement from um, locking on, etc., that not everyone was charged with the same thing. There were a few people charged with armed with intent, which sounds incredibly serious, even though it's it's not, um, in terms of their intent is not dangerous. Um, But I believe everyone was charged with the interfering with a mine because we were all at the coal port which again is not a mine. And for everybody, that charge has been unsuccessful. What do you know? No, um, we were the only two of the group who challenged um, that charge. So everyone else pleaded guilty to that? Yes, they did. And what was the consequence sentencing-wise, do you know? I believe, uh, I'm not absolutely sure, but I believe they were uh, not given a sentence. They, they were, were they found, guilty. found guilty, but but not given a penalty, as I recall. Mm. But a conviction recorded, do you know? Recording a conviction really depends on people's previous involvement. So Anna and myself were both convicted because we had previous cases up against the court that we had uh, been given Section 10s for or, you know, not not convicted. Right. But in this case, it was recorded. Often people's first offence, they don't get a conviction right. recorded. So um, for us, the trespass, yes, we, we got a conviction for that, but that wasn't a surprise. And we were, we were very hopeful not to get a conviction on this other one. So it was, it was good. Did you get much media coverage that you're aware of, both on the day and subsequently? We did on the day, um, especially in the Newcastle Herald, uh, which is wonderful because it's actually the most... Uh, well and widely read local newspaper in Australia and because Newcastle is a coal town it's really important to get uh, big coverage there so locals can see their own local people speaking out against it and taking radical action because it starts to shift the narrative and and shift the wider beliefs and people are are starting to talk about it so that's a real positive. I believe we also had some articles in The Guardian um, and The Australian. And what was the coverage in The Australian like? It was um, not framed positively, but that's not surprising. At least it may make people think when they see pictures of people like Anna and myself who are very ordinary folk, um, it might make them think, oh, that could be my family, that could be my daughter. It's also good to think that we may have raised the question of uh, coal exports in people's minds. A lot of people forget that we are a massive coal exporter, we're a massive exporter of carbon pollution and that we we can't pretend that it's not our responsibility. It is our responsibility. I think that's a great place to stop. Anna and Elle, it's been lovely speaking with you. Thank you very much for coming on to Subject ACT. Thank you so much, Sophie. 
Thank you for having us, Sophie. That was Anna Molan and Elle Lawless discussing their experience of participating in a non-violent civil disobedience action at the Newcastle Coalport in 2018 and how, in the face of inaction by our federal government to address the impact of coal mining on climate change, ordinary people around the globe will continue to take radical action to try and force change. And that brings us to the end of tonight's program. I hope you've enjoyed it. Stay listening to People Powered Radio, XXXFM 98.3, for more great programming. I'm Sophie Singh. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 